Greetings, friends, and welcome to episode two of How To Wrestling, the world's first audio podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, how goodness knows, maybe even to enjoy wrestling. However, once again, I'm resident explain things to people person Kevin Mahan, joined as I am always in this journey through the world of sports and entertainment by Joanna Graham. Hello. How's things, Joe? Things are good. Yeah? How are you enjoying your journey into the world of wrestling so far? It's been very educational. Very educational. Incredibly educational. You enjoyed uh, going through episode one then. You learnt a lot, it seems. Yeah, I learnt way more than I thought I would. And now I'm a little bit worried I'm going to become like a wrestling expert after like a few episodes in. That's just going to ruin the entire podcast. Yeah, this episode, this podcast is seriously diminishing returns. Like, yeah. you know, each episode we, you know, we're going to weaken it one step at a time, you know. Uh, thanks everyone very much for helping make this an incredibly successful launch. We had uh, well over four or five thousand listens in episode one. We mm-hmm. headed into iTunes and went straight up to the charts. We were pushing very hard to try and hit the number one in the sports category in the UK. Didn't quite make it thanks to that pesky Tour de France. The goddamn Tour de France exposing the business. <laughs> goddamn, it's eternal struggle between wrestling and bikes. It's It's gone on, it'll go on long after we're dead. Yeah. But I, I suppose debuting on iTunes the same week that the Tour de France debuted on... Especially when you're a <laughs> podcast about sports. <laughs> yes. And it's not really a sport. That's the problem, what? you know? Cycling. Oh. Yay, there you go. Not even a real sport. It's got wheels in it. How's that a sport, you know? Exactly. But, silver lining, because we had actually, you know, I, I've been part of a podcast I got to number one in, in the UK before. I was very all happy right, about that, right. you know? Pat myself on the back. Yeah. So I wasn't, you know, honestly, I could take it or leave us the top spot. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, Arrogant. No, but what actually happened was because we kind of, you know, demonized the old Tour de France a little bit, they got to slow it down, you know, they're exposing the business. Yeah. By virtue of this, we actually managed to get number one in the US sports charts, yeah. which is something I did because US is just nothing but sports and farms and cities, you know. So the fact that we managed to get to the number one there. Beating all the other actual wrestling podcasts. Thank you so much, everyone. I just feel like it's me that brings this to the podcast, really. Like, I'm, I mean, it's my talent. You know, you can thank me anytime yeah. you like for making your podcast. I might pencil that in later the most on. successful ever. <laughs> well, it's good because we got, you know, we got, you know, a podcast that does well in the UK and one that's obviously done better in the US. Yeah, you know? which is most important. Both mm. sides of the equator there, you know? Uh, <laughs> but yes, if you haven't always, obviously, uh, first episode... We weren't immediately on iTunes, but if you are now and you're listening on SoundCloud, you do have your iTunes or Stitcher. Go on there now. You can subscribe, get all the episodes directly, leave a rating or review, of course. That helps us out uh, immeasurably. But just, once again, thank you so much to everyone. We've really hit the ground running here. People have really kind of... This podcast works only if we have people yeah. taking part. And we're our first episode here. We're doing How to John Cena this week. Possibly, actually, definitely the biggest name in wrestling currently. We had a huge response from this, and it's kind of yeah. How many it. tweets did we get? It was like nearly two hundred. Yeah, it was crazy. It? Yeah, uh, thank you. Know what? Only this week I've really actually figured out what hashtags are good for. Yeah, and they are <laughs> brilliant for tracking opinions on wrestlers. Because honestly, before I've always been kind of like ah hashtags, take them or leave them. But this is just it's like a it's a filing system for your Twitter, which yeah. is very handy. But thank you everyone who tweeted in, and it's been great as well because I I know a few people who have who don't know much about John Cena and couldn't wait until the release of this episode. So they checked the hashtag 
And so they were learning things as well as I was. And like, so they came to me and said, oh, have you seen this hashtag on how to John Cena? And that's something I want to point out as well. Um, You know, a lot of people uh, listening, you know, fans from the Edge Zero podcast who are just interested to hear perspective of a, of a newcomer such as yourself. Yeah. Really nice to see those though. We do have a lot of people listening who have, a either never watched wrestling yeah b maybe just dipped their toe in the pond and got scared right away and mm. they're using this to kind of get into it yeah and also as well the all elusive i'm going to show it to my girlfriend market who i've been after for some time and also though with the thing that i never thought of we've got people who listened to it when they were younger and then kind of stopped listening around sort of 2003 2004 yes. sorry not listening watching watching wrestling yeah. um and then they've gotten they kind of interested in getting back into it. Now they heard that wrestling has improved again. Mm. So that's quite interesting. I know a few people have tweeted in saying that they've been kind of tipping their toe back in the water as a result of how to wrestling, which is really nice. It's really nice as well, kind of touch wood that wrestling's pretty decent at the moment. Because yeah. you know, doing how to wrestling when it was like really fucking <laughs> shite in two thousand and eleven or whatever. Spoilers. <laughs> John Cena wins. <laughs> yes, yeah, spoilers Every for this episode. episode. <laughs> so before we get into talking about John did you? Uh, I think this is. I know this might become a recurring segment, provided <laughs> that you manage to learn something every uh, episode. But obviously, Joe is an independent woman with ways and means to find out things using the internet. And I have been, an internet connection. You, you have an internet. I do. And you've been uh, obviously every week going to try and learn something new about wrestling. What did you learn this week about the weird and wonderful world of wrestling? So after our last episode, we had quite a few people tweet in about the wrestlers who fight inanimate objects. Yes, I think we the specific one which I remember seeing, which I was happy about, is uh, one of my favourite wrestlers of all time, Brian Pillman, wrestling a big pencil. Right. Which was great because that is both, you know, it's a man wrestling an inanimate object, but the inanimate object is also metaphorical because it was representing who was writing the show. Loved it. Oh, God. As far as inanimate objects go, that one's got layers. That's a bit clever. It's a, it's a, bit, it's a bit clever for a man rolling around with a big pencil, yeah. yes. It's as clever as that scenario can get so, in the world of wrestling. <laughs> so what I learned was that in Japan, there are two wrestlers there who are inflatable sex dolls. Mm-hmm. And a few people kindly sent me a link to matches with the inflatable sex doll. Sex dolls in your area? (laughs) Meet sexy sex dolls in your area. (laughs) Match.com. And this one seemed to be a bit like Hulk Hogan. He had a really long, long blonde wig. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he had cannons on his shoulders. Okay. I think they were supposed to be cannons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay, it was the most silly thing I've ever seen in my life. But it was also the best wrestling I've ever seen in my life. I mean, those those blow-up dolls can work, you know? They can go. <laughs> they can. And there were some amazing flip-de-doos and stuff. And, God, it was it was amazing. And I fully encourage... We'll probably include a link in the, in the description, maybe, to, yeah, to the match. But it would be... It, it was just such a strong match. And I think there's cool things like this. I like when you find out stuff like this, which people can send in that it, and you can find out about... That it's kind of like, hey, you don't need to know all the story and all the yeah. background. It's not a big investment. It's just like, wrestling is maybe not what you think it is. Here's something weird and fun. Yeah. It's 10 minutes of your time. You probably will get a, a serious chuckle out of this. And I watched that this morning before getting out of bed. It was great. I was in bed. Didn't even need Twitter. coffee after that life. Didn't even need any coffee, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's my day made. I've seen a, a incredible Japanese wrestler fighting an inflatable sex doll. That's That's my day sorted. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Right, well, John Cena, the man himself. I mean, usually in wrestling, at any given time, in the 80s, 90s, whenever it was, there's always a guy who we refer to as wrestling fans as being 
the man. And what does it mean to be the man? It means you are just the guy. You're the. If there's anyone, <laughs> that doesn't explain. If you're the man, are, are you you're the man? The guy. You're the guy. You know what else you are? You're, the the you're, male. You're the dude. You know, I'm talking <laughs> about the guy. I'm talking about the dude, the man, the bro. What that basically means is most of the company and the business of of WWE kind of centers on this person. If there's like one person who someone who doesn't watch wrestling should be able to recognize and kind of go. I don't know about wrestling, but oh yeah, isn't Hulk Hogan or John Cena or yeah. Steve Austin? And those are the kind of main ones. And John Cena, obviously, is the current day yeah. the guy. He's very much everywhere. And I think it's a good way to start here, because if you start watching wrestling now, you'll see John every What week. if you watch that Scooby-Doo movie about WrestleMania? You won't know what's going on unless you know unless about John you Cena. you know about John Cena. Because exactly. God knows, I watched that movie before I knew anything about John Cena, and I just didn't understand what was going on. Now, for me, it, John Cena is an interesting one because he's someone who, as we'll find out, the word that they use to describe him is controversial. I prefer the really controversial. It's a really shit way of saying divisive as fuck. Yeah, it's saying divisive <laughs> is accurate. But for me, it's interesting because I've followed Cena unwittingly. It's not as if I'm like you know touring like the Grateful Dead fans. I followed John Cena since he first started in WWE. Yeah, you say that, but you've got a John Cena towel. I do have a John Cena towel. This is true. Okay, but that was a gift from Sam Chaplin of Cinema Swirl fame. That was not a request. That was given to me. I'm too polite to send it back. (laughs) But I've followed him for essentially 13 years now. Right. Unwittingly. So I've seen this kind of up and down and change. And my opinion of him has changed so many times. But when you first started watching wrestling, before we get into our tweets and into our matches, I just want to know what your very, very first impressions of John Cena were. I thought... He was the most dreadfully awful, boring <laughs> wrestler ever. Bear in mind, my, my first experience of John Cena was the Scooby-Doo WrestleMania movie, right. which I saw at a friend's house, and I hadn't seen him in any match before then. That movie exposes the business just for those who are wondering, okay. you know. Right. It was Old Man Jenkins all along. God damn it. You just know how <laughs> to work. Exposing the business. And I thought then the character was boring. Yeah. And it kind of... <laughs> In fairness. I know, exactly. Exactly, in fairness. It's, I mean, it's that movie do. was all about... Shaggy came across well, no yeah. one else really, though, <laughs> you know. Um, so, and as well, John Cena kind of seemed to me, especially that sort of depiction of him, seemed like such a stereotypical image of wrestling. Yes. Of like a really boring character. Who's a big, muscly dude. Big, muscly dude, hairless Blonde hair, American soldier type, you know. Salute, American, American flag. Yeah. Support our troops. Which is kind of what I thought all wrestling was. Yeah. I thought all wrestlers were John Cena, basically. I mean, it's almost like in Looney Tunes, if there was like a cartoon wrestler who was a good guy, it would have been John Cena. Yeah. You know, he is the prototypical. It's a phrase we use uh, as wrestling fans to describe. And we said baby faces and heels before. Mm. But to describe someone like John Cena is usually referred to as, this is great, a white meat baby face that sounds disgusting well no you're wrong because the white meat is the nicest meat on a turkey so yeah but of a baby face (laughs) i am gonna go to a deli and order the white meat baby face (laughs) it's delicious gross but it will get you prison time um but yeah a white meat baby face meaning wholesome in that john cena is not kind of like he's pg friendly right he's pg friendly kid friendly yeah and if you find a very young kid who's into wrestling chances are unless they're one of them weird fucking kids if they're a regular proper kids you know three meals a day uh they'll probably love john cena right yeah 
So that's that, kind of and uh, so for your first instances watching then that obviously he struck you, you said as, as boring. Yeah, but I could understand as well. I mean, obviously it was a Scooby Doo movie that was my first opinion of him, so I knew he was for kids. Well, when you actually saw him in wrestling, then, well, okay. So when I saw him actually wrestle, yeah, then I didn't really understand how he was supposed to be for kids because like most people who were cheering for him seemed to be adults. Now that may have just been the show I was watching, which mm. I can't remember what it was now. Um, but he didn't seem as well like. Bearing in mind, this was very early days for me, before I really understood anything about wrestling. Mm. And he just seemed slow and quite not nimble and just the actual wrestling he did, I thought was boring. I think as well, the early stuff that you were watching, I think we mentioned before, people like Mick Foley and The Rock, who are obviously very larger than life characters, kind of have a unique look and whatnot. And And a character and stuff as well. John is very much kind of a, I want to win this match for that kid in the crowd in America. And you know, it's, there's very little to hang your hat on there. It's kind of like... I don't know. It's like pop music, you know, very broad pop music. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if that, it, there's like, there's no niche to John Cena. Right. John Cena has a lot of accomplishments to his name. I think a lot of people tweeted some in, but just for those of you keeping track at home, we mentioned before that in kayfabe, which remember is our, our word meaning if wrestling canon. is weird, in, in our canon, all wrestlers want to become the champion. Uh, most wrestlers can hope to maybe win that championship a few times in their career, and if they hold it, maybe hold it for you know a length of time. In, in recent years, the trend had always been, since the late 90s, for shorter title reigns that changed more frequently because it made it unpredictable. Yeah. It's like, who's going, to be, who's going to be the champion this week? And you never know when the championship can change hands. The kind of much-touted record of whoever has won the belt the most is uh, someone we'll do an episode on quite soon, I imagine. Ric Flair, very famous wrestler. He's touted as being a 16-time world champion. Now, Ric Flair had a career that spanned from the 70s up until around 2010 or so. 16 titles in that time. Now, John Cena's 10 or so years, he has won the championship 15 times. Wow. And Flair's world title reigns were all in different companies. John's are all one place, WWE. 15 times the world's champion. And also as well... Two of those were nearly or over a year long. Wow. So that's a lot. John Cena has is in canon, in our kayfabe canon, folks, he is probably the best and most successful. I'm not saying he's my favourite or mm. he should be yours, but that's how he's positioned. So that's yeah. kind of... let's. I mean, before we get into our tweet, we should establish what I was saying earlier on, the man... The guy. The golden boy. The golden boy. Of wrestling. Who was born with a silver spoon. But that's 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 <laughs> so you know the, to set the scene for John Cena. Thing we're going to go in now, before we get into our matches, it's time to hashtag how to John Cena. And let's go and look at the tweets. Right, so Joe, what have the good people and good fans of how to wrestling? Collective name for fans is forthcoming, folks. Um, if you've got an idea for one, do send it in. <laughs> how to wrestlers doesn't seem like a good one. No. But <laughs> where are my how to wrestlers at? <laughs> um, but yeah, if you've got an idea, do send us in. So what have the uh, what have the gang tweeted in about John Cena then? Michael Scally, Fizz versus the World. Ah, he's done artwork for the Outshare podcast. Oh, really good. Yeah, yeah. A good man to follow on Twitter. Uh, well, he said that John Cena's the Superman of wrestling, kid-friendly hero, undone by lazy writing for his character. Mm, I think that's uh, that's definitely a uh, quite a fair assessment of John. I think a lot of uh, the gripes which you'll find that people have with John 
are to do with because he's PG kid friendly and aimed at kids. John Cena a lot of the time will try to be funny in his promos, which are like interviews and things like that. And a lot of his attempts at humor are so low down the mark. Bless him. Like he has literally referred to people he's been in like a blood feud with as being like a poopy head. But is that him or is that the writers? Because it's, it's well, he has a writer who will write jokes for him in conjunction with him. Because I've seen him do comedy written by actual comedians and he was very funny yeah but you think he's kind of he has a say i think what you have to kind of bear in mind it's not as if john cena's gonna go guys I had this killer material but they're making me say all this kids stuff yeah he's back there with the guy going right what's something that we can say that maybe will make the kids laugh yeah and that's kind of annoying when you've got a very serious competitor like john cena this sunday in the steel cage i'm gonna kill you and he's like you're a doopy doop you know that <laughs> that kind of thing rubs people such the wrong way and that's a big thing with John I think he's gotten better about it recently but there was a period in time where people don't like when the characters don't seem to be taking it seriously you see now I think that's just (laughs) silly because I think it's really nice that there's a character that's incredibly kid friendly and I think as well it it just screams to me when when there's a lot of wrestling fans who are like, oh, I hate that John Cena's all all kid friendly. It just seems like they don't like anyone else having any fun. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I'm not. I'm just kind of pay, trying to pay devil's advocate here to an extent. Just come from their perspective. There are many cases of wrestlers who have been really funny and have managed to be kind of kid friendly. Okay. Someone like a Mick Foley, who's just oh, always yeah. hilarious. John is kind of weird in that he doesn't make light of himself, but he kind of, he will put across this kind of persona that he's kind of, he's, he's a cool guy or like, you know, he's really witty or he's really funny. And then he says this kind of dumb shit, really. Right. And people are just kind of like, that's dumb, that's lame. And it's a big thing as well where people are like, you're not, he's not taking it, he doesn't seem like he's taking it seriously or taking his opponent seriously. Okay. Kind of think it take, because John's always going to be in the main event or the most important match. Right. People, that rubs him the wrong way. So I think, we, do we get a few tweets about the comedy or the writing being bad or things oh, like yeah, that? Oh yeah, a load of people said yeah. that it's, you know, bad writing. Simon Beggs said that he's a good waterproof coat. He does the job really well and is always dependable, but unstylish and garishly colourful. <laughs> yeah, I, so I really like that. I thought it was very accurate. And I think as well, your mum would be happy if you have a yeah. fair there. Like, you if you know. brought John Cena home or, or took him out in the rain. <laughs> like if I, if I took John Cena home, my mum would go, mm, that's a grand wrestler you have there. Likewise, <laughs> if I came home with a nice coat, going, that's a grand coat. <laughs> It'll last you coat? well. It'll last you well. It doesn't matter that it's not stylish. It gets the job done. You couldn't warm in it, you know. <laughs> John Cena, a good warm coat. Like that analogy a lot. We actually got one here from uh, Leonard F. Chikarson from uh, Chikara Commentary fame who referred to him as being a good wrestler, a great promo, an awesome entertainer, but a terrible comedian. So I think that kind of uh, plays into that once again. I think a lot of people are coming around to the idea that John himself is quite talented, but maybe mm. just his decision to go with this kind of oopy-doopy humour. Yeah. That kind of just holds him back a little bit. Toby Durant said, Word, life, thugonomics, spinner belts, worst thing ever. (laughs) 3D exclamation point. Bully but not. Talking down to women. Role model, boring. That's a that's a lot to get through there. I think a lot of those a lot of those points will probably come across when we're talking about the matches. The idea in there of being a bully, that's an interesting point. Mainly because John is meant to be you know, he's kind of like, he's 
the guy for the kids mm. and he's kind of he's a spokesperson with their kind of uh, be a star campaign which is WWE's anti-bullying thing which they deal with schools it's quite a big deal and I think a lot of people will kind of go there's times like where John Cena has made fun of bad guy characters in quite a mean way there's a character called Vicky Guerrero who's like oh uh, yeah Vicky Guerrero yeah she's, like, she's an older woman and even though she lost loads of weight she at the start was like got a lot of flack because she was like she wasn't a model. She was uh, one of the wrestlers' wives. And mm. she, she didn't have the, the supermodel body. And there was a lot of segments where John is kind of like, ah, you're a fat, ugly woman. Yeah, that, you know. And kids are all kind of like, yeah, she is. And again, you know, she's meant to be this wicked witch type character and whatnot. But there's a number of times where John seems to kind of go the route of... Well, if you're jabbing at someone's weight, yeah, that's that is bullying. And he does, he kind of, he does that a lot. Like when he, where he tries to kind of make fun of a lot of the characters, and because he does it in the real kind of childish way, it just seems like. I mean, he like he was in a feud with Seamus, who's the Irish wrestler, who's quite pale. You yeah. know, being a, a fellow Irishman, I can sympathise with that. And he's kind of like he would make fun of him for being pale, and people are kind of like, you know, you're not setting a good example there, John. I think people more do it to kind of be like. Ooh, that's not very anti-bullying, but he does come across as mean-spirited a lot of the time. Right, yeah. <laughs> and you don't want kids kind of being able to justify being a dickhead any more than they already have justifications. No, so. kids will already be incredibly mean about weight and things. They don't need to... Regards to him, his, his, him with women, though, we'll talk about Total Divas later on, I think, and yeah. maybe that might uh, crop up again. Uh, any other tweets? Okay, so we had people as well talk to us on Facebook mm-hmm. about John Cena facebook.com slash wrestling. Yeah. give it a like give it a like so we have Chris Lynch who said he is somebody who I loved back in the day I recall seeing his debut match with Kurt Angle and becoming a huge fan in the process over the many years he began to wear on me his constant winning and lacklustre performance just became a nuisance eventually for the last four to five years I've despised his work the constant patriotism being something that I, a UK-based fan, couldn't get behind. However, recently, he has been consistently good in the ring, and whilst I personally still dislike the Blind Patriot Act, I can respect the effort he is putting in. It's on par with his earlier work. I think that's really interesting. That it's something that always strikes me when we're here in the UK and you know, in Ireland as well, uh, even, like, even across Europe. The whole patriotism thing, and we touched on it earlier, the one that everyone always stands out is that when Osama Bin Laden died, John Cena announced it live on pay-per-view. And he won his match and he picked up the microphone and was like, I have to tell all you people that we have compromised to an extreme point, Osama Bin Laden. And he was like, USA. And hey, I'm all up for people supporting their troops, regardless of what country you're in. I think it's a positive thing for people to support their troops. But it's to an extent, I think, that it almost makes us... Un- I don't know, has it made you uncomfortable ever? The kind of the blind fucking... Well, maybe... Flag-waving kind of... I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm English, but I hate patriotism. <laughs> and that's very un-American of me, but I'm not American, yeah. so whatever. But, like, I've never understood... Even people from England who are really patriotic about England, I don't understand it. And that perhaps comes from more of a political standpoint, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. There are certain aspects that come with patriotism, negative elements and yeah, things. Yeah, of course, yeah. there are the positives too. I mean, John Cena's patriotism isn't something that actually annoyed me that much because I kind of saw it as a a spoof in a way. I know it's not necessarily supposed to be, but it's so over the top, it's kind of hard for me to see it as anything other than that. He means a lot to oh, I know. the people in uniform. I know like, he's not a joke he's to... He's gone to, you know... To war oh, yeah, zones, yeah, yeah. like actual active war zones, like USO show type things, meeting people. He goes to army veteran hospitals where you know people who've lost limbs and all yeah. that, and they only want to meet John Cena. I'm sure if you know people like 
that, like who are incredibly patriotic, it would be really grating. Yeah. But because I don't, I mean, I, I don't live in America, so I don't come across that type of person. I only see it on TV anyway, normally as a joke. So for me, it doesn't rub me that wrong way. Yeah, I think even if you're someone who's like kind of like, yeah, patriotism is cool. You know, even if you're like totally in hashtag camp patriotism, because it, US patriotism is such central to his character. Yeah. It's just that like, it, it just gets weird if you're kind of like, fuck yeah, USA, and you're from another country. You yeah, know? exactly. It's just weird in that sense. So, But I know that if he was English and was massively patriotic, that would really annoy me. Yeah. I, think, I don't think he would be a good guy in that no. case. <laughs> I'm just imagining the fucking evil fat lad who's in uh, the thick of it and V for Vendetta who's talking about England prevailing all the time. <laughs> Uh, my evil English version of John Cena, like beating up Michael Collins. Um, you had another kind of contrasting opinion to that, though, I think, on Facebook. Yeah, so Stephen Cummins said, Here's my deal about Cena. I was once on the Cena Sucks bandwagon, and don't get me wrong, it was a fun bandwagon to be on. But then, rather than just watching his work, I actually watched his work. His timing is absolutely perfect every time. He knows when to give that little look to the crowd that says, This is the part where you boo me or cheer me, and I'm happy either way. And he is exactly what the commentators say he is in that he is polarising, but that everyone still buys a ticket to see him. I once went to a live show in Nottingham and I heard people behind me saying that they couldn't wait to boo Cena. They made little noise all night, but when Cena came out, you couldn't shut them up. You have to respect a guy who will be able to go do TV, radio, then do an appearance charity thing, then still be the first at the arena to do a local promo spot and other tape promos, then we'll get his direction for the show and go do that, then more appearances after the show, then he's straight back on the road to do it all again the next day. And I do still believe him when he says that it's all for the love of the game and the smile on the children's faces. I think that like raises a lot of really, really good points there. And I think as we're going through the matches... A lot of that will come up. I'm very, I would empathise greatly with that in that because John Cena is someone who, as we mentioned, divisive or whatever. If you watch a, jo- a regular TV show, chances are fifty percent of the crowd will be booing the bejesus out of him, and fifty percent will be cheering him. And that's usually a mixture of kids and adults, either way. And don't get me wrong, it's fun to be the person who's hating on John Cena. Oh yeah, it's I'm sure so it is, much yeah. fun, great fun. And I had a good six year run of doing that. We'll see as we go through those matches. I think accusations that he's, he can't wrestle or that he's no good. He's deceptively good. But yeah, what's another thing you mentioned there? You mentioned kind of him being like... A couple of people here tweeted... Even people who were tweeting how much they didn't like John. Uh, we had, for instance, here... Uh, Kevin Poole on Twitter said he's an awesome guy in real life. Can be dried to a great match. Horrible, mind-numbingly stale character. So, you know, he's even people who really dislike his character and really dislike his wrestling, you will be very, very, very hard stretched to find someone who would say he's a bad person. Because John Cena is a fucking champion and a hero in terms of charity work, publicity, good causes, all that. Do you think you found out something that was quite interesting? Yeah, he was nominated for the Humanitarian of the Year Award. Sports Humanitarian of the Year Award, like yeah. That, yeah. I think it would, it's, he's only nominated at this point, so after this comes out, he very well could have won. Yeah. But, do you ever heard of the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Yeah, and I know he does a lot to do with yeah. that. Make-A-Wish Foundation is basically an organisation in America where terminally ill children, meaning those who are haven't got long to live, can kind of like they make a final wish and it's usually something on the lines of meet a celebrity want to you know go here go to this place that kind of thing 
the most requested person for Make-A-Wish of all time is John Cena. Yeah, he's like the face of it now, isn't he? He is essentially yeah. the face of it. He also has the record for the most amount of Make-A-Wish visits of anyone ever, including every other... Well, Make-A-Wish and wrestling have always been linked, even going back to the 80s and 90s. Right. And Cena has smashed everyone's record. 450 Make-A-Wish visits he's done. Wow. And this isn't just John Cena kind of going, hey kid, you got cancer, that sucks, signs an autograph, see ya. You know, it's not that. He, you can see videos of John, right? And I'm not blowing smoke up the man's arse because I, you know, I think he does have his problems. But he fucking sits down with these kids. He chats to them like, hey, I'm just, this is my buddy, Sean. You know, this is my friend here. You know, and he talks to them like face to face, like a real person. And these kids, you know, are just so fucking starstruck to even see him. And if he just stood there, they probably would be happy enough. But the fact that he makes such an effort, you know, he chats with them, makes time for them, talks with them, family keeps in touch, all this stuff. He does such a good job there that that's like, you know, that's not just a marketing gimmick. If you'd be very fucking cynical to say, oh, the charity thing's just a load of bullshit. And there's been cases of some wrestlers kind of being grumbly, kind of going, oh, other wrestlers do make a wish and they don't make a big deal out of it this isn't john doing it i think just to make a big deal out of it i think he genuinely has a connection with these kids and i think it's really special that he does that yeah and i think that's it's kind of hard to hate on john cena when you know that he's such an important figure for children particularly terminally ill children and the, the good work that he does i think he's pretty well that's a lot of people who were tweeting in were kind of saying basically that that they found the character stale and boring but they thought that the work he did was admirable and he did amazing charity work and he was very hardworking and and he was this pretty solid wrestler, yeah. basically. So the kayfabe hate John Cena, but they yeah. IRL think he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's very well, good. It's very interesting. Yeah. For the most part, they seem to think he's a good guy. Yeah. With the exception <laughs> of one of those few other things which you might uh, come across later. Um, so that's kind of... That was interesting. I think I was quite happy to see that kind of range of... of comments come out about John I think we're at a place now where the wrestling fan base has come to somewhat of a consensus that even the people who do hate him as a wrestler will still concede that he's good in other aspects you know that yeah. he's a good guy and whatnot. I don't know if that's just because our audience is particularly insightful maybe but <laughs> no I think that's the kind of you know you're gonna you have to be a real hard-nosed angry fucking brick wall dickhead of right. a fan who can't recognize the good work that he's done in that sense. But what did we watch about John Cena? There is a lot to the man, okay? Debuting in 2002, and barring one or two injuries, which he always came back from freakishly quickly, making me suspect that he is a cyborg, in fact, John Cena has pretty much shot up to the top and stayed there ever since. There are so many John Cena matches, so many John Cena feuds... It was difficult in selecting matches. Thank you so much to everyone who suggested stuff. We got a lot of really good suggestions. The matches that I picked, I didn't pick as a, these are the best matches in John Cena's career, or these are the most the best feuds, or this is the backstory of John Cena in canon. I just wanted to show Joe some matches that maybe gave her a sense of how people have arrived at this kind of conclusion. The different phases of his career... And that kind of resulted in us watching some really good matches and also us watching a really shit match. So we could kind of get a bit of a sense of, of all of John Cena. So when people are going to go, oh my god, why don't you review this match? Why don't you review this match? This is just so we can get a sense of John and then maybe recommend from some more stuff to watch from there, I think. Yeah. And the very first match we watched is John Cena's first kind of big moment uh, appearing at WrestleMania. WrestleMania, of course, is the 
big showcase, the the Super Bowl of wrestling, the big show every year. And John Cena's first match at a WrestleMania occurred in 2004 at WrestleMania 20, where he is challenging for the United States Championship, which is that kind of second-tier belt we mentioned before, against the world's largest athlete, the Big Show. So John Cena, which we didn't really mention so far, it's worth mentioning, way back in the day, original John, kind of explains why he has jean shorts, was a rapper. Right. John came out here in this match at the start, and he does a bit of a rap. What did you think to John Cena's rap? Well, first of all, it took me ages to realise he was supposed to be rapping. Like, literally 30 (laughs) seconds, I think. And I noticed things were rhyming. I thought maybe that was just accidental. And I realised, oh no, he's trying to rap. And I have a question. Mm -hmm. Does he write the raps himself? Yes. Well, that explains penis with an STD being a rhyme for... God knows, I can't even remember what it was. When he very first started off, he was just kind of regular wrestler. You know, plain tights, plain boots, nothing special to him. And then the story went was that uh, Stephanie McMahon, who is the daughter of Vince, one of the head kind of writers and executives in the company, when they were on tour, she just saw John doing this rap thing that he just did because he's like, you know, grew up in Boston, loved Vanilla Ice, that kind of thing, you know, God. lame white boy rapper kind of That's thing. So lame. It not not in a kind of a serious. It was very much an ironic kind of really type thing. Oh, seriously, you know. I mean, fuck's sake vanilla ice in 2004 like you know yes you can't you, there's no way you can do that not ironically and it kind of then it was like all right you could do that maybe make this as your character and then he became this kind of overbearing obnoxious white boy rapper who'd come out with the the big chain and the ridiculously oversized uh you know basketball shirt or whatever cutting these you know raps where he would run down the people and all that and it was really really popular and, and was he heel? He was a heel, bad guy. And it's the only time in his career he has been a bad guy. It was that very first period at the start where he adopted this rapping gimmick and it was a kind of... I can't imagine guy. him being a bad guy. Yeah, it's... Um, all I remember, the only thing I can remember specifically for the time he was a bad guy was that he was wrestling The Undertaker and he's like, you people don't believe me. Y'all think my chances of winning are slimmer than a bus full of anorexic women. Jesus. <laughs> he's like, boo, <laughs> boo, John Cena. Right. Yeah, he would just, and it would usually kind of... So was he not kid-friendly at this point? Oh, no, 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 he wasn't. But the, the product wasn't kid-friendly back then either. Okay. So he was just this kind of like dickhead rapper. Something which we'll probably find out for those of us who are just getting into wrestling is that if you're a bad guy and you're entertaining, you'll invariably become a good guy. Because uh, if you're a bad guy and you're doing things that's kind of like, oh, what a bastard, but oh man, that's, you know, I want to see him because he's mm. going to say something funny or do something memorable or he's got a catchphrase or whatever. Those guys are destined to become good guys. And John essentially then just kind of continued the same character, but would just run down as the bad guys instead with the raps. Right. With STD rhymes and whatnot. Jeez. And the important thing to know about here, I mean, when you watched this, were you struck by how fucking beloved John was when he came out? Yeah, because it's, I mean, most the most recent matches I've seen of John Cena, the ones I'm kind of used to, mm. it's mainly the kids that are cheering for him. Because mm. um, you'll get a, let's go Cena! <laughs> you know I'm thirty-four, Mom. I don't want to clean her. <laughs> <laughs> the commentators are like, John Cena, he's the up and comer, the fucking new sensation, isn't he great? 
and everyone's cheering for him and let's go Cena chants throughout with no hint of people going Cena sucks I was wondering if you thought that was kind of that was weird for me generally because I don't think I've ever up until then I don't think I'd seen a match with just such one opinion throughout the audience but everyone loved everyone loved him yeah Nothing negative, and I never hear. I don't think I've ever heard that in all the uh, matches. It's of. worth noting as well. This took place at WrestleMania 20, which is historic. Obviously, it ends in a zero, so it's historic. Right. And this took place in Madison Square Garden in New York City, which is a very famous arena and is considered to be like the arena. Like Vince's father, who he mentioned when he originally ran wrestling, it was at the Garden. It's like the pinnacle. They call it the mecca. Of, of WWE. Right. So the fact that that crowd there would be a very hardcore, I like my fucking wrestling proper, and they all love them. These would be the very same people who would be screaming, die, Cena, die a few years later. Very interesting just to see that. What were your thoughts on the match? What did you think? We have John here in kind of an underdog role taking on big old big shows, just kind of like, you know, filling in as the big mean bad guy in this case to, for John to overcome. Well, first of all, it was really interesting for me seeing how different he looked he looked more human he looks the same but completely different yeah same with that he's a muscly guy with jean shorts he looked a bit thinner although that could be because he was wearing uh much larger clothes he's less veiny though less veiny yeah um (laughs) more or less baby like would you say uh i'd say in a way less yeah which is funny because obviously he's younger he was quite handsome as well, which is weird because mm. it's very difficult to pinpoint how he has changed in his face yeah. now. Like I'd say in the match we watched in, in 2004, he does look quite handsome, whereas these days I kind of think John Cena's a funny looking man. Well, I mean, he's a, had, a, you know, yeah. neck surgeries, ankle, you know, ankle surgeries, you know, just wrestling nonstop for 10 years will take it out of you, I'm sure. But it's weird because he doesn't actually look that much older. He looks slightly more weathered almost. I guess. It's a kind of difficult one to pinpoint. Battle damage, John But he, <laughs> he definitely looked more human yeah. and far less robotic. Yeah, yeah. He seemed like, I don't know, he seemed to express properly and emote and he'd pull silly faces and things. You could and see he was more energetic. Though, the thing that people were saying there on Twitter about that connection with the crowd, the timing, he's very Absolutely. good here. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something I want to talk about more in the, the second match that we, uh, that we watched. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he he was fantastic with the crowd. He really knows what he's doing. There's little things which you'll notice. I mean, the, in terms of the art of wrestling itself, you know, when you're like it's little things like when you're picking up, uh, you're gonna hit him with a with an object. You know, John in this match hits Big Show with uh, with his brass knucks behind the referee's back, and he does like little things like kind of he just doesn't hit him, but he kind of raises the hand up, turns to the crowd, and he kind yeah. of goes, "I'm gonna hit," you know. And you have to realize if you're in a very small little ring in a giant arena, you've got a acted out big and John was really good at doing that it's kind of it's pantomime almost oh god it's so like pantomime should I hit him oh no you shouldn't yeah oh yes you should he's behind you (laughs) you know yeah I think did you enjoy this match then I did quite quite short quite basic but I mean what do you think oh no I really enjoyed it Um, and it was interesting as well seeing the big show young yeah. With his, like, mutton chops. I'm going to say this for any AE podcast fans out there. I thought Big Show Circa WrestleMania 20 here had a vague Billy Keeble quality in the face alone. You know, Which I don't the, see. I'm not saying Billy Keeble is 7 foot 2, 500 pounds, or, <laughs> or anything like that. But in the facial region, vague shades of Billy Keeble there. The Big Show managed to make John Cena look absolutely tiny. Big Show is 7 foot 2 and Jesus. 500 pounds. Which is funny because these days when I see him in matches, obviously he's not, he's not shrunk or anything, but he doesn't seem as big. No, it's he kind of... 
I don't. He just seems quite imposing here. But I'm... yeah, definitely, he was very imposing. And but then John Cena was doing things like flipping him over his shoulders and stuff. Mm. This guy who's twice the size of him. That's it's funny because you like when you watch this match, I heard you go, <gasps> you yeah, know, like, like I did, legit, yeah. and you know. We watch it. We watch a decent bit of wrestling now, so like you know, it sounds if you kind of go, "Wow!" You know, out of anything, you're not that easily impressed. If you told me I'd be gasping in shock and awe at a match between The Big Show and John Cena, I would have laughed in your face. I really was worried with with, because we were doing John Cena that you know we mentioned the first episode that your kind of favorite wrestling is the NXT kind of style. I really like flipy do, yeah, the the flips and whatnot. John ain't doing no flips. He don't dance, son. But, but learning all this stuff about John Cena, watching all these matches as he's kind of developed, has made me kind of appreciate his own style mm. of wrestling, which is something I hadn't recognised. It's a talent that I hadn't recognised before, which is the idea that he is incredibly good when he's allowed to be mm. at making other wrestlers look even better. Yeah, he can definitely which do I that. Which I hadn't yeah. realised before. And I realise now that wrestling is more than just being able to do amazing flips. It's about making your opponent look really good yes. as well. And he is fantastic for that. Because I mean, When he can be. When he's like innocent. Like here, it's like the big show. I mean, the big show is a wrestler who you see every week usually. He's a big guy. And you see him so often he doesn't feel special. But in this match here... Yeah. Big Show feels like this like final boss or he something does, like yeah. that. And it's, a lot of credit of that does Considering, go to John. Yeah. yeah, John Cena isn't a small man by any means. And yet, in comparison to Big Show, obviously it's not just the size. I do believe it was partly John Cena's acting ability. Mm. Made him seem like this underdog, kind of young guy. Yeah. You really kind of root for him. Definitely. And he, had, he really had kind of a good... At the time, he really was the only person remotely on the roster who had kind of like an everyman type. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm one of you guys, you know, and any wrestler who's had great success has managed to tap into that. You know, everyone always says that wrestlers should be larger than life and should be treated as special, but there's a lot to be said for if you have that connection with Joe Sixpack in the audience. And John had that in spades. So one thing I have noticed in this match is that he's still saying this is 2004 mm-hmm. right ages ago yeah. and this is over 10 years ago now he still says you can't see me and does his thing with the hand he waves his hand in front of his face and says you can't see me that's john cena's trademark taunt basically right he's been doing that now for what, 11 years yeah jesus yeah i mean is he not bored with that now in the same respect that if it's iconic and you can do it and, you know, Steve Austin still says, give me a hell yeah. Hulk Hogan still says what you're going to do. You know, every wrestler has his catchphrase. Right. I think because John has been wrestling kind of consistently for so long, it's kind of like, yep, there it is. But kids love it. It's yeah. his thing. Everyone needs to have a... It's It's strange that he's kept that for so long. Yeah. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. Except I think some people would probably argue that it is broke. A lot of people, for example, who are tweeting in were saying that his whole character and gimmick is, is stale. They would, I mean, it definitely is stale. But I think the main thing to note about that is that John Cena still sells more merchandise than anyone else. So if I'm a 20-something-year-old fan going, this is stale and this doesn't work, and a million eight-year-olds bought John Cena t-shirts last year that said, you can't see me, well, then I'm going to pretty much say that, 
million eight-year-olds are probably right. And what is the you can't see me thing about? Why does he say it? He said it. I think the origins of it is that it was just like, it's like a rap thing, kind of like, can't touch this. Oh. You can't see me. You know, I think it was just something he used to do and goof around with his, his brother or something like that. Aww. It used to make me quite laugh. It's like, this guy thinks he's going to beat me tonight. He can't even see me. And it's like, <laughs> all right, it's funny because he's like, He's alluding that he's so good that he's not even visible in this plane of existence. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. He's a puka, as you would say in Ireland. So, <laughs> Overall thoughts on the WrestleMania 20 encounter then? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was interesting seeing him so popular with the audience. No, it was just really, it was really interesting. Yeah. I think it's nice. It's one of those matches that's kind of like wrestling boiled down to its most simplest. Big guy, bad guy, taking on little guy, good guy. Yeah. How can he overcome the odds? He came across as very likeable, I thought. Yes, and he was very liked. Yeah. And I think it was that likability that led uh, John to obviously win the United States Championship here in this match. And he would close out the year on a wave of momentum and fan support before arriving the following year at WrestleMania 21, where John would win his first ever World Heavyweight Championship, his first of 15, as we noted earlier, by defeating the now commentator John Bradshaw Layfield. When he won the belt, we were all quite happy. Haven't watched the match because it was dull as shit. But when we won the belt, it was happy because it was like, here's someone, came from the ground up, started from the bottom. We kind of, as fans, felt like we had grown with him. He had kind of, not he, he didn't go too fast. He had like two years or three years before he won a title, the big title. And that's kind of a nice long enough time for people to kind of go, right, he's kind of earned his, his spot, so to speak. Fast forward, though, to the following year, WrestleMania 22, and we have what can only be described as wholesale rejection of John Cena when it came to WrestleMania. That's putting it lightly. WrestleMania 22, where he ended up defending against Triple H, who was, again, not very beloved by wrestling fans. Triple H was someone who most fans have got issues with. But, man, he was booed heavily. And this started a big trend of John Cena getting booed in most of his big feuds. He would feud with wrestlers like Edge and Kurt Angle, who were all meant to be bad guys, treated as such, but fans were just, they hated John. They thought that he was, he'd been undefeated for nearly a year. He always won no matter what. He was just dominating everyone. It seems that he was the only thing on the show and fans en masse were just booing the shit out of this guy. And the announcers were trying to cover for it. The announcers were kind of going, did mixed reaction for John here tonight. They, they weren't saying they were booing him. They would say that, oh, John Cena, he courts controversy wherever he goes. <laughs> but like they weren't going, shit, they're booing the fuck out of him. And for me as a fan, I was like irate because I'm like, he's meant to be the number one guy and everyone clearly hates him. And if you try and watching a show and they're kind of going, here's the good guy and he's the, the good guy and you should cheer him. And everyone in the arena is booing him. Mm. It makes it really hard for a show to have any credibility, you know? It, it Like, they're booing him en masse. And this comes up huge in the next match that I decided to show, Joe, which was John Cena defending the WWE Championship against Rob Van Dam at ECW's One Night Stand 2006. How would you describe the fan reaction to John in this match, I Joe? would use the words that the commentator used, which... He referred to the crowd as extremely hostile, <laughs> which is putting it lightly. Yeah. It seemed borderline dangerous. I was worried at times for John Cena's safety. I mean, in terms of, you can't just kind of put some context on it. ECW 
was originally kind of another company, basically, that was kind of edgy, violent, blood and guts, that kind of... It was meant to be counterculture. And WWE did a few revival shows, and they brought it back for a bit. And the idea was was that ECW, it was known, was that that's what the hardcore fans like, the real, like, crazy hardcore wrestling fans. And the idea was to put John Cena, who we knew that they were despised him, and for the first time, really, to play off the fact that these older fans hated John... And to fucking great effect here, you've got an arena full of people who want John dead. Yeah. Like, and that's no exaggeration. Sweaty, single men who want this man dead. Such angry men as well. Like, you, are, you, are, you, are, you look so shocked in this match. I was, absolutely. I've never seen anything like that, ever. It was truly shocking. I mean, shocking in like, because I know some people are kind of like, oh, the fans ruin it because they take part too much. The fans chant nonstop in this various things to John. I think if I'd been a fan of wrestling now and fans were like that, it would put me off. Yeah. I really, like, it's quite interesting watching back, obviously, because those people have grown up a bit now. But they were so angry and hostile and hateful. <laughs> Could you maybe give some examples of the chants that you heard? I can. I've made an extensive list of every chant I heard. Excellent. Okay, so we have... The first chant was, uh, Fuck you, Cena. Then, Cena swallows. What? We don't know. <laughs> then, You can't wrestle. Which is just a lie. It's You can't see me and you know it. <laughs> Same old shit. That is a mean one. Yeah. You still suck. That's yeah. He did. They chanted same old shit at him because the the common frequent complaint with him is the five moves of doom. Have you come across this? It's something a couple of people have mentioned on online. Yeah. About the five moves of doom, mm-hmm. saying that John Cena does these set moves. I think it's something you've mentioned to me before as well. It's like a sequence he does. He sequence does like of moves. A couple of shoulder blocks. And no then one a back can get up. out of it. Then he does his you can't see me, and it's kind of yeah. like people hate it. I can see why people would hate it if they've seen it for, you know, ten years in a row or whatever. Well I will say every wrestler has got a comeback sequence. That's exactly what certain people were saying actually. Yeah. It was really interesting. They're saying Steve Austin does yeah. it, you know Daniel Bryan does Daniel it. Daniel Bryan does it. You know, all, all these big wrestlers, everyone does it. But I suppose the difference being that they didn't win what was it, fifteen in... World Championships. <laughs> yeah. Which is gonna great on you. Yeah. Definitely. Um so carrying on with the the signs and sorry the so carrying on with the chants. Um overrated was one you can't wrestle again that's uh, a that's such a that is such a fucking cutting yeah. one you know because yeah. i mean you're basically saying you can't do what you're meant yeah. to do you're bad at your job that's like yeah fundamentally that's a mean chant from here i can't believe i'm saying this they get quite aggressive <laughs> That, that was the pre-watershed yeah. ones. Yeah. Just so you know, we started with fuck you, Cena, yeah. and went downhill. Here we go. Cena sucks cock. Asshole. You still suck. Die, Cena, die. Cena fucked up. Same old shit. Fuck you, Cena. And then we have a couple of signs. Oh, yes. Anti-Cena. And, <laughs> the anti-Cena. <laughs> uh, and the most famous one, probably, if Cena wins, we riot. Yes. That was one which I kind of... I remember at the time kind of going, there's no way they're going to acknowledge the fact that, you know, John is this. Because I, I was so shocked because I thought them kind of saying people hate Cena, I thought was that that was basically them saying, geez, guys, we've really messed up because mm. he's meant to be our top good guy and you all hate him. 
But when they started this match and the camera just zooms, zooms over right and it's right in. there, it says, if Cena wins, we riot. And yeah. there's a good like five or ten minutes at the start where John tries to throw his hat into the crowd. And they throw it back. <laughs> and there's a great bit. I mean, he throws it how many times in the audience? Three like, or four times? Oh, more it? than that. It's more than that. It's like five <laughs> or six. And there's one point he throws it in and the fan like throws it back and then immediately turns around with his middle fingers up and just screams, Fuck you, Cena. I, I will admit that is my favourite moment in wrestling ever. <laughs> where John throws his, his shirt out and this beautifully dressed man turns around with his beautiful waistcoat and goes, Fuck you, Cena. The passion in his voice. Like. The weird thing I didn't... The weird thing I wasn't used to was the fact that all of the audience were swearing at him. But mm. like, not just screaming at him. But like, swearing with their middle fingers. Yeah. Which is a weird one because obviously it's not it's non-verbal. Mm. And yet they were all oh, doing it up. constantly. And John goes into the crowd at one point. And, and they just turn thrown. around and just swear at him. Yeah. They threw toilet paper in the ring. They did. As well. Now see, this is kind of... What was interesting about this match is that it really just kind of... It does two things. Number one, it shows just the extent of the hate. And when I said it was fun to hate John Cena, stuff like this. Because we thought, fans at the time, that was kind of like... We're like, we've hijacked the show. We've like made our voices heard. Now they know that John Cena's shit and everyone knows that he's shit. And, but what it really shows in this one is, like you said before, John Cena's ability to kind of adapt and play to that crowd. And Absolutely. You yeah. were really, I think, taken by that. The yeah. first half of the match, I was genuinely concerned for John Cena and I thought they were going to kill him. The second half of the match, I suddenly realised just how talented he is. He knows how much they hate him. And I was worried though. I felt bad for him because, oh my God, he's amongst this crowd who's so hateful. But he was loving it. Mm. And he was working them like putty. Because he started actually, people don't know us in this match, John actually, when you, when you wrestle like a bad guy, we refer to as working as a heel. And John right. in this match, he works as a heel. Because obviously the ECW crowd love this guy, Rob Van Dam, yeah. who's their ECW guy. And John, like, you know, puts him in holes that will keep him down and ground him. And, like, he's he works to piss the fans off. And he, like, gives the crowd these looks as well. It's like, I, with his five moves of doom, for yeah. example. <laughs> he starts doing it, looks at the audience like, you know I'm doing this and there's nothing you can do to you stop me. You know you can't see I'm me. I'm making you angry just <laughs> to piss you off, you know. Yeah. And he just does it anyway. And it's just so smug and so amazing. And mm. that, honestly, this match was what really made me appreciate the talent of John Cena. Definitely. I mean, I was kind of like kicking myself though. It took me several more years after this to kind of maybe even appreciate John. But I, I would say this is one of the matches I would say everyone who's getting into wrestling should watch really early on Definitely. to really understand how audience engagement with the wrestler works. Because I mean, other wrestlers have been in this situation as well, not come out smelling quite well. I bet, yeah. Um, I don't know, Batista, who was in Guardians of the Galaxy, who we mentioned <laughs> before, wrestled in the same arena in front of a very similar crowd and they gave him the similar treatment and he did not react well. He, like, was upset and you could tell That's that the thing, he yeah. was just like, I'm the star, I'm the good guy, the fuck is going on here? And that Whereas was, yeah. John was able to notice that Facets of the crowd like me, facets don't, and he played off it. Yeah, even friends. though he was supposed to be, you know, the good guy, and he came on stage thinking of himself. Well, he probably didn't. He probably knew the audience was going to hate him. I'm sure he, he did. Could probably hear. He probably had to look at the okay in the crowd and saw the big "If Cena wins, we riot" yeah. sign. <laughs> He's a smart guy, <laughs> but he managed to play the same character and yet be almost a villain. Yeah, and it's just so so amazing and subtle, and I absolutely have such newfound respect for the man. 
Such so respect. John ends up losing this match then as a result of interference from his longtime arch rival Edge. So we end up seeing this is a quite a rare occurrence, which is John Cena losing. Now, John has it's not that he never loses. We mentioned the first episode of John like literally never gives up. But John he loses here, but usually when John loses, it's because of someone else interfering or something screwy happening. In terms of John actually losing because of lack of ability or just because he was not the better man, in the last 10 years, can you guess how many times John has lost? Because think about it now, Raw, SmackDown, main events, pay-per-views, hundreds of matches a year, house shows as well where he's, you know, non-televised events. How many times do you think John has lost cleanly as just a result of you beat me, you're the better man, I lost. I mean, judging from the fact that you're asking me for a number, I'm going to guess it's low. Yeah. So... Ten years now as yeah, well. I would say... Oh, God. I mean, I want to say, like, ten, but that means one a year, which seems very, very low. It is ten. It is ten? It is ten. Oh, my God. Twice in 2007, twice in 2008, twice in 2009... Not again until 2012. Jesus. And then once in 13, 14 and 15. Christ. The weird thing was, I found when we were watching the uh, match with Rob Van Dam, I actually wanted Cena to win because I just wanted to see how the audience would react. Would they actually riot? Yeah. <laughs> I think if John Cena won, they would have lost the deposit on the building. <laughs> I think that much was was, uh, was a given. This match, again, it was just kind of a landmark moment and definitely one which I would also yeah, recommend. Check this out on the network if you can. One Night Stand 2006 with Rob Van Dam. Just to see any time when people say they hate John Cena, if you want to see that personified in a room full of people. And in 2006, that was the feeling. You yeah. know, In 2006, we didn't give a shit that he was doing charity work. We didn't give a shit that, you know, that... Anything about John, it's just that it felt too much too soon, shoved down our throats. And John losing here was the first loss he had suffered in nearly a year. And he would win the belt back around a month or two later and then hold it for another year. Jesus. And in an age where, you know, people have held the belt for long times. Hulk Hogan, a very famous wrestler, he held the belt for five years once. Wow. But that was in an era when they were like, maybe four pay-per-views a year and like five or six big television specials. When you see John Cena as the champion, three or four, remember all those hours we talked about of wrestling that there are weekly? Ten years, usually always the champion. You can see why just people were getting jaded with him. Yeah, I can completely understand why. And the years of 2007 to 2012, you've got kind of one of two things happening. Either one... You have John Cena working against a guy who the crowd likes more than John, and therefore you get that really heated, let's go Cena, Cena sucks dynamic. And that always worked really well to create kind of like a big fight feel, because half the crowd wanted to see John Cena just fucking lose, and the other half were like, John Cena, no, he has to win, he's our hero. And that made for like quite interesting television, but still quite stale. And a lot of the issues that people have with John are no more personified than the match we decided to watch next. Which I kind of hate you for. I had such a time. I was like, right, we have to find a match that just epitomises all the flaws of John Cena's character and all the flaws and the staleness and the things that people hate him about. 
And fuck me if we didn't find it with Over the Limit 2012 with John Cena defending his championship against The Miz. If there's one thing I resent about this podcast, <laughs> it's having to watch that match. Yeah? Yeah. You're going to have to watch five Hulk Hogan matches eventually. So, I mean, oh. I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know, we the match quality isn't always going to be up to this. You've got to take the sweet <laughs> with the sour. You know, it like a little bit of salt a... and pepper on my podcast, you know? <laughs> John Cena defending his championship against The Miz in a special kind of match. This is one which you may not have heard of before. Could you tell the people at home what an I Quit match is? So, yeah, you had to explain this to me before. Uh, I think I mentioned it in episode one, briefly. Yeah. So an I quit match is a match where you have to make your opponent say the words I quit. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter if you pin them um, or get them out of the ring or any of the usual rules that apply don't apply for this match. Mm. And according to this match, which they mention in at the beginning of it, is that it also means that there's certain loopholes. Yeah. So we have The Miz joined by who was it alex riley oh yeah alex riley erstwhile nxt commentator yeah so it was two versus one basically yeah because there's no disqualifications in an i quit match right so you actually have to say into a microphone i, I quit. quit yeah there's been some famous cases of that not working so well in wrestling past right including a very famous match between a wrestler called bret hart another one called bob backland in an i quit match mr backland didn't realize he had to say the words i quit and so the match ended going, do you quit? Yeah! Yeah! He, he said I quit, ring the bell. Or another famous one, I think the McFoley wrote out in his book where someone says, do you quit? No, you quit it. Ring the bell. <laughs> Jeez. So uh, I quit matches are taken with a pinch of salt. Now, John Cena, his mantra is never give up, which kind <laughs> of is a bit of a spoiler for this one. Yeah. There's only really one way it can end. Yeah. Um, lol, Cena wins, I guess. Yeah. People hate John Cena during this period, and a lot of them came to the forefront. You've got 10 years of... Not only does John Cena win, it's not as if he's like someone just comes in and fucking kills someone, kicks their ass, dominant. My God, John Cena did it again, you know. Who can stop John Cena? You know, he is unstoppable. The announcers always play up Oh man, Cena's in big trouble now. <laughs> How is he going to overcome the odds? A weekly basis of John Cena being given seemingly insurmountable, incredibly surmountable odds right? and overcoming them. And this is kind of personifies of this match. Yeah. I mean, it seemed to me like they were trying, they added Alex Riley to make the match vaguely more interesting. Vaguely more competitive. An I quit match with a man whose entire mantra is about never quitting. Yeah. I mean, you're going to try and... And it's not like The Miz is particularly... He's not intimidating. Intimidating or scary or anything like that. He's he's no... The Miz, for those of you wondering at home as well, uh, made his start on the reality show The Real World on MTV. So that's the kind of calibre of athlete we're dealing with here. (laughs) I thought it was really funny that the um, at the very beginning of the show, there was this entire <laughs> I never quit compilation of like John Cena, you know, saying how he never, ever, ever quits for an I quit match. Like just a series of John Cena. I never quit. I never give up. And then it's like, I've been in this exact match four times before and I've won them all. So I wonder what's going to happen here. You know? I wonder. <laughs> and then they're like, ah, yes, but Miz has got a much different haircut to those other wrestlers you wrestled. Really so hammering at home that he never, ever, 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 ever quits. I mean, you've got situations during this time period like where it's almost to the point that it's making other characters suffer. 
Yeah. They had like an instance, there was an angle with John and there was this big group of young guys, like real, like they're all like guys from the NXT had just started and the 10 of them came in and they're all just like a group together. And they were like, we're the young guys, we're going to topple over everything. They were called the Nexus. And they had a big match at SummerSlam. It was like, you know, seven on seven or whatever. And it came down to like four of them versus John or whatever it was. And John beat them all. You know, he overcame the odds. Lol, yeah. you, did the phrase lol Cena wins come up on Twitter at all? By oh yeah, chance? it did actually. Yeah. Lol Cena wins became a meme, which is just kind of like the outcome of this match. Lol, right. Cena wins. I saw that on a couple of signs as well for this yeah. match as well. It's kind of, I remember distinctly staying up to watch this match back in the day. And when this match came on, like I watched this pay-per-view, when the match came on, I went to bed because I knew what was going to yeah. happen. I yeah. woke up and I was like, John Cena won. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it was never in doubt, really, during this period about John winning. Overcoming the odds. You know, lol Cena wins. Super Cena's, you're the one. Did that come up? No, not so Super much. Super Cena was something that people said as well. It was like another one, like, he's like invincible. And what you have in these matches as well is that it's not just that he, like, he always wins or he always overcomes the odds. It always takes the same formula, which is seen here in this match, which is... He gets beaten up for like 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, they had and then a flurry and belts and like whips and sticks. chains, sticks and things. They were properly, and he was honestly really injured. Like you can see at one point where they hit him with a stick. Yeah. He had like grazes on his stomach, splinters. His eye was swollen and bruised. The kids in the audience have to watch their hero get tortured every night. Yeah, like. I mean, Jesus, he really obviously was quite badly hurt. Although, <laughs> so they beat him up for like however many minutes, like 15 minutes or something. And every time Miz gets a new weapon, he's like, yeah. John, I've got a, a really big stick. Super big stick now. I've got a red hot fire poker, John, and I'm going to slowly rub it across you. I've got candle wax, John. <laughs> I've got a nurse's outfit, John. <laughs> What are you going to do, John? Do you quit yet, John? And that actually really annoyed me because every 30 seconds they were going, do you quit yet, John? No. And the ref goes up to John Cena and like, do, do you quit? Do you quit? No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Every yes, time. Went, nope. <laughs> or he went, no, or no. And that was the thing because like, his face was really pained, but I was making notes through this. So sometimes I had to look away and he just sounded bored. Like, nope. No. Nope. No. I'm fine. Nope. If my thing I wanted to do was that replace it with the referee going, do you want to quit with... Clean your room for fuck's sake. No. No. <laughs> nope. No. No. <laughs> but yeah, the match on the whole wasn't great. Because, like, there's no atmosphere in a crowd when everyone, including the kids, is yeah. sitting there going, right, he's going to get beat up for another 10 minutes and then he'll come to life. And when it's that predictable, no more than the TV show with the predictable ending or, you know, it, the the twist that you see coming. It's it's the same as any form of entertainment. And that's kind of where a lot of kind of boredom and tedium and wrestling is... If wrestling is boring, there's there's nothing worse than boring wrestling. Exactly, and John's yeah. matches became boring because he was just put in this position where it was the same routine, night in, night out, and it just wasn't captivating at and all. Bless him, they did try. He a tried. Bit. Like he the heard, Miz, yeah. for example... Poor, I felt bad for the Miz. Like at one point he goes up to this kid and he's like, yeah, tell John Cena to quit or else I'm going to keep beating him up. And this time I've got like a, a golf club and I'm going to kill him. And the kids just laugh at him. 
And meanwhile, like John Cena's like, yeah, those kids are smarter than you are, Miz. And the audience is dead. And that's something that normally would obviously provoke yeah, quite a big reaction. Yeah, like, what? what? Instead it was like, you know, crickets. Yeah. A tumbleweed. And uh, we got to be bad for the Miz as well, that he so clearly turned on this match and he doesn't get to finish, like, you know, <laughs> and like the entire thing's there going on, like, you know. And again, how this match ends... Oh, it was ridiculous. So yeah. John Cena at the last... It was literally the last two minutes, I think. Mm. He suddenly regains all his health, becomes entirely fine. He, he used a potion. Yeah, somehow. Hyper potion. A fairy. <laughs> yeah. And then immediately turned on The Miz. And within like a minute or two minutes, The Miz said, I quit. And not only did The Miz say, I quit... He's screaming. Went, yeah. You know, and like John hadn't even put him in his mood properly. It was properly. barely a match at all. It was yeah. just a, a really long torture scene for, for John Cena. Then he regains all his health and just, I don't know, destroys The Miz without like so much as a couple of punches. And I think this is kind of what people felt at the time was a phrase you'll hear about people at John Cena at the time was that they felt that he could be carried to a good match. And being carried basically means that if there's a better, more established wrestler in the ring who knows what they're doing, they can kind of lead you through it. Like, remember we said Ric Flair could wrestle me kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so that's being carried. And that if John wasn't in the ring with someone like that, that it was going to end up like this, which is John just saying, beat me up for ages, then I'll win. Yeah. And that was a very valid criticism of him. And yeah, it's a fucking boring time for wrestling during this yeah. point, I think. Although kudos to the one guy in the audience who's tried to start the chant, this is awesome. Bless. The the lone, lone, the lone guy. Man. <laughs> no one in that room thought anything was awesome that night. <laughs> but a lot of those criticisms of John, they can't wrestle, which we've heard a lot in vocal forms and in comments and Cena not being able to have a good match. So if we fast forward now to our last match, which we watched, which I think might... It's, it was start of certainly a trend I noticed with John in terms of match quality anyway, but certainly doing away with a lot of these criticisms. We see John Cena taking on Daniel Bryan, again for the WWE Championship, in front of a very, very hot, rabid crowd, which is epitomizing kind of where we're at now, which is the crowd is very split. You've got your vocal people for Cena, vocal people against Cena, but it's, it's part of the act. You know, the announcers play up to us that people don't like Cena. Yeah. People always kind of go, oh, Cena's crap and they don't recognise it. WWE made, like last year I think it was, a Cena sucks t-shirt. Really? And here's the great thing about John, right? The people who hate John, they're not, they didn't stop watch wrestling, did they? No. They buy tickets to go to the arena and boo John Cena. That's exactly actually, yeah, with the that was especially apparent with the um, match against Rob Van Dam. Yeah. Is I actually wondered when we were watching that how many people went to go see that match because John Cena was in oh, it, yeah, even they though were. they hate him, just to watch him lose. Exactly. And again, it's I think because just traditionally the good guy was meant to be the guy you went to go to see to win. Yeah. And people were now, parts of the audience, go to see so they can boo Cena. And, and that just shows how incredibly talented he is. Yeah. Though. Because if you can, if you can make an audience want to boo you only, and it was like the person who mentioned it on Facebook earlier about how they were quiet for the whole show, mm. but just for John Cena's yeah, match, yeah. just to boo him, that shows considerable 
heft and talent. Exactly. Well, I mean, if those people have come just to do that, they that means put you're their a money. great entertainer. <laughs> you were. Gr- I mean, I just love the the thought in my mind of some angry fifteen year old going, "Fuck you, Cena!" and clicking that purchase button. I'm really button, showing him. Purchase me your ads to cards. Sucks. <laughs> official merchandise. And John, John's in his mansion, kind of going, "Oh, we sold a lot of those Cena sucks Little T-shirts." Notification on his phone. It's like you've sold another T-shirt for John Cena sucks. And by sold another T-shirt, we meant sold another hundred trillion T-shirts. <laughs> John is the only person, I think, in history who's been able to... Because, you know, people hated Hulk Hogan. Right. You know, there was a portion of the audience who didn't like Hogan. God, even during the Attitude Era, there was a portion of the audience who didn't like the big star then. You were kind of like, oh, they're overrated or whatever. Mm. There's always going to be that portion of the audience who doesn't like the main guy. But no one's ever turned that resentment into fucking money and business like John Cena has. And I really admire that. I I admire WWE and John for being able to recognise that. Instead of going... Well, fuck, they're booing you. Kids like you, whatever, it doesn't matter, you know. I think John Cena is a really good example for a lot of people who are actually getting into wrestling, not just for for wrestling entertainment, but for actually people who want to become wrestlers. Mm. Because there are certain wrestlers at the moment, we've got like, um, is it Eva Marie? who yeah. She's training with NXT at the moment. Yes. She's She was on Total Divas for a while. And she had a thing recently where she acted quite poorly to negative feedback from the audience where they were booing her and she seemed quite visibly upset by that and that's not going to put butts in seats no Whereas, boy i can't wait to buy a ticket to see Eva marie cry exactly <laughs> whereas like seeing john cena react to negative audience you know chants and things is a really good lesson i think for how how to do it right uh, definitely and i think by the point we come here to this match with daniel bryan it's no longer kind of like a oh that's a smart they, it's it's refined it's an art yeah. it's part of the show it's a big marketing tactic it is <laughs> because every main event now with John Cena the crowd is fucking nuclear yeah absolutely and the best thing as well is that not only is the crowd nuclear but John very much proves in this match and a lot of matches since and some before that he is a very good wrestler yeah definitely yeah so yeah around this time as well 2013 when he's taking on Daniel Bryan. I think maybe the first time, one of the first big exposures you got to John was that we've obviously watched Total Divas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Total Divas. I also love Total Divas. It's my favourite show just because of Summer Rae making it annoying. Hey, it's me. I'm back. I'm back. It's going to be Burla Twin versus Burla Twin. So, Total Divas, John appears on that as the long-term, yet somehow on-again, off-again, in terms of affection, boyfriend of Nikki Bella, of the Bella Twins. And she's the main, like, the main woman, her and her twin sister, Her and her twin sister, Brie. Brie, Like, they're the main divas on WWE at the moment, aren't they? Yes, and Brie, of course, married to Daniel Bryan. So So they're the, the four... They're basically the two power couples yeah. of wrestling. At Except the John won't put a ring on it. Okay, so while I was looking for things about John Cena, I came across someone sent me a link to actually from Total Divas, a clip of John Cena doing something with uh, his his partner Nikki Bella, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to put that in here just so you can hear the audio mm-hmm. of what it is, and I'm going to tell you what it is afterwards. Pacific. <laughs> Yielded my power! Uh, ah! You 
well, that ain't PG. <laughs> so that that's John Cena with Nikki Bella. And what they're doing is they're playing tic-tac-toe. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll include a link in the description, but it's that is the most ridiculous, yeah. high-octane, moany-groany tic-tac-toe. It's the most passion he shows in the entire <laughs> fucking relationship, if you ask me. It's so unnecessary. He comes across so bad in that show. It's really interesting because a couple of people tweeted in saying, oh, he seems lovely on Total Divas. I was like, what show are you watching? He's like, right... They're like, oh, he's lovely to Nikki. John is lovely to Nikki. Usually after 45 minutes of being mysterious and fucking resentful and like, you know, hey, I love you, but sign this contract so you don't leave me. There's like an episode where he, it's really set up to seem like he's going to have, like we should mention as well, Total Divas is a sort of a reality show. In inverted commas. Yeah. Which are also in even bigger inverted commas. Yeah. So there's this whole episode where he vanishes and he he seems like he's having an affair and Nikki Bella is mad worried and she she talks to Bree and she's like I think John's cheating on me I don't know he he makes up excuses says he's going to the gym and then I go there and he's not there I think he's cheating on me at the end of the episode it's revealed he bought her a house that she happened to mention offhandedly at the very start of the episode that she because she also runs her side business as an estate agent or realtor. And she mentions that, oh, she's showing someone around this house and she really likes it. That's all she says. And John buys her the house based on that, which is really sweet. But also you've got this 45 minutes of him skulking around, mysterious, mysterious, and being really grumpy as well. When she asks questions, he was really moody about it. Remember when she said she wanted to have her eggs frozen? He was mad weird about that too. He was so weird about that. She's like, hey, John, I'm thinking about having my eggs frozen. And it comes in, like rips off the fridge door. like Never. Never. Never, ever. I'd rather die than freeze your sex cells. I felt I feel really bad for Nikki Bella. I do. Yeah. And the whole thing as well, there's another bit in Total Divas where he asks her to move in with him and then makes her sign some kind of form. I think which... the form was that she had to dress up as a nurse. <laughs> I think that was it. Well, she does say that on the form, she he only has to give her 24 hours notice to kick her out. Like, that's it. If he decides she's out, she's out. Some of us, John, are gentlemen and actually allow our girlfriends 48 hours to vacate the premises. <laughs> so that's okay. Uh, uh, sorry, I might actually have spoiled your Christmas present there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, he doesn't come across particularly well, especially with regards to being a partner. Although I only found out, I think it was yesterday, he was married. He was married and also had affairs. Oh, God. Yes. I didn't know Shrouded about that. Shrouded in mystery. Uh, I'm not going to go into it because I don't know what's true and what's not, but right. he was married and then he was very much not married. And I think a lot of that plays into the, uh, like he's, he's not, he's should have married Nikki by now. Right. He should have put a ring on it, but he didn't. Yeah. And I'm sure Beyonce has got another song that sums up my feelings on that matter, which we can put <laughs> in in post. But uh, yeah, definitely interesting character coming across uh, there on Total Divas. And I, yeah, I do feel bad for Nikki Bella. Yeah. Bless her. Bless. I do wonder though, he's so good with kids and yet he's absolutely adamant he does not want them. Mm. What's going on there? Cyborg? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Honestly, it's it's quite strange. Yeah. Um, I That is really weird. It I is don't really know. weird. He's so good. He seems to genuinely enjoy spending time with kids as well. That's the other thing. When people say that John Cena is like a robot or whatever... 
I like I do kind of I do wonder. But Actually, I, the only thing I would say about him is that aside from the fact that the man is probably home for twenty minutes a week and he's on the road nonstop doing everything. Maybe else. that's it. Maybe he's just a really good. He's a good person who understands that he, he wouldn't, wouldn't be. He a good, wouldn't be able to be yeah. a, a dad really. So. Oh. I hope it's that. Yeah, I would. I mean, I'm not to put ideas, but that would be a. a, a logical That's my one. wishful thinking. Is what I hope yeah. is the reason. But I do wonder if perhaps John Cena was built as a social experiment by WWE to see how long they can get away with having the exact same character, and see how far they can push the audience to like, hate him. <laughs> I just like the idea of Vince McMahon making John Cena in a lab. Yeah, I said that the other day. Yeah. Sugar, spice, and ruthless aggression. And hustle, loyalty, <laughs> and respect. Oh, fucking hell. So I have a question about the Bella Twins, and this is kind of ties into the match with, with Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a thing where Nikki and Brie Bella take sides with their respective husbands? No. Oh, really? And, and again, the reason for that is, is just because if you're someone who watches the current show and you wonder about the Bellas... They have this really weird thing where one week they're good guys, the next week they're bad guys, and they can't seem to decide what their actual characters are. Right. So they did have a thing that the Bellas were against each other at one time, but I think during that time Daniel was injured, so they didn't really... It was never... It's never happened. Okay. Where it's been... You think the obvious thing would be... a missed opportunity. Bree and Daniel versus Nikki and John, but that's never happened, so... Oh, okay. But that that seems like money, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be really interested in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Daniel and Bree are the better couple, obviously. You yeah, know, I'm just I, I agree. What did you think of his match with Daniel? So, um, I mean, you pointed out at the very beginning that he was fighting with, what was it, a distended elbow? He had a, a collection of fluid in his elbow. So basically, big and size, swollen. It's like the size of a baseball. Baseball, yeah. Type in John Cena, big elbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me and uh, me and Adam at the time were hypothesizing that he was going to become a bad guy and start using the big elbow as his finish. Like, <laughs> my God, he's using that anatomically enlarged. Uh, get it away, ref! That's illegal. That son of a. He's using that synapsinal fluid. My God, you know. Um, but yeah, John working hard here with a big elbow. So bless him. He's he's got this injured elbow and he's he's resting anyway. And Daniel Bryan uh, will do obviously an episode on Daniel. One of my favourite wrestlers, very much uh, a wrestling fan's wrestler in that technically proficient, Daniel Bryan quite small, quite fast, but his skill is kind of, he's someone whose skill speaks more than, he doesn't look like an imposing figure, yeah. but he's, what he can do in terms of on the mat and his ability is just, wow, it's quite breathtaking. And it, it was actually quite interesting as well, this match, to see how well John Cena and Daniel Bryan worked together. How quickly they moved together. Like. Because Daniel Bryan is this amazing, he can do lots of flip-de-doo style things and he can leap off the top ropes and stuff. And although John Cena isn't much of a quick mover or anything, doesn't do any fancy pants moves like that, he's fantastic as a, his timing is really good. Mm. And he genuinely looks like, you know, he can get injured at certain points and he, he can make it look like he's really throwing a punch and stuff like that. And he made Daniel Bryan look so good yeah just and like he made the big show look really exactly good. yeah and that's amazing to think that you might think hey it's easy if you're like you've got a big scary giant to kind of make him look formidable and whatnot but if you're like a new fan and people might hate this but if you're a new fan you see someone like daniel bryan who's like less shorter than six foot and he looks less muscular and smaller a lot of fans will kind of go well what's so special about him yeah and john cena manages to make really draw him, that out, yeah, and not in just kind of a. You don't have to be a fucking PhD in wrestling to appreciate how good Daniel is here, because John like just 
puts it out there. Like yeah. he makes him look like a badass. They hit each other hard in this one as mm-hmm. well. You know, a lot of this is a good match to show if people are still kind of going, ah, it's all phony baloney and whatnot. Yeah. A lot of grazes and cuts on John yeah. in this. Like he gets Again, his eye is all bloody at the end of the match and swollen and Yeah. Did you enjoy the match? I did. I didn't enjoy it as much as the one against Rob Van Dam. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really jumped out at me, and it's something that annoys me in wrestling generally, is when they're supposed to be knocked unconscious and they're mm. lying there with their eyes open. <laughs> it's just like, do you not realise the camera's going right to your face? I think some people just, it, like, they're just like meant to be just completely... Like, well, then you need to Not not it on your face. They're, they're kind of meant to be like gasping for air and just don't But have the trouble is a lot of wrestlers out. don't even do that and yeah, they just lie there and it's yeah. obvious that they're trying to get their breath back. Yeah, yeah. John Cena kudos to him when he's supposed to be knocked unconscious he lies there and he looks unconscious mm. he has his eyes closed he looks limp mm. and he looks legitimately pained as well when he's like um so i think the movie is called a clothesline yep clothesline. when they have the hands across his face oh no, cross face oh that's a cross face yes. okay because i used to do a bit of physical drama in my time so i know kind of how they do some of the moves like that one and they do it without hurting them mm. and so while i knew he wasn't in many pain he genuinely looked so much like he couldn't breathe. That's what we call selling. Uh, selling is basically making it look like it hurts. Right. And selling is can be anything from the pain expression in your face when someone's giving you a move to making it seem like it's a lot harder to pick someone up than it actually is. Right. You're selling because you're selling what you're doing, the act to the audience. And, I, and John Cena is quite good at that. Yeah. I know one thing you've complained about with John Cena before is that he'll <laughs> he'll get injured, supposedly, in the match and then magically, like, he'll hurt his leg and then yeah. suddenly he'll get up and Yeah, exactly. Like, there's... there's um. <laughs> I think WrestleMania 23 was a kind of a famous one where he had a match with uh, Shawn Michaels, who's a all-time legend and great. And they had the whole match. Shawn worked over the body part, or what? And it was either the arm or the leg. And like literally 20 fucking minutes of the my god, he's going after that body part. And then once it came time for the five moves to do, it was like eh, bah, 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 bah. And run around, and go hey, and he like, stretches out, like oh my god, it feels really good today. Pump you know? some iron, like, yeah, lift you know, up some other wrestlers with it. You know, like, you know, reaches hard to reach plants and waters them. You know. <laughs> And that kind of thing. I, so when I said John's gotten good at selling, I think that's a recent development. And people, right, okay. I think wrestling fans have long memories. Yeah. And I'll just say from my point of view, it's been really nice watching some of these matches with John and kind of knowing that I was always worried that I grew to like John and tolerate him because I was just so sick and tired of hating him. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, oh, for, fuck it, you know. You know, I just felt like, you know, Poland just got, oh, fuck it, just take over, you know, like with, with Hitler. You <laughs> yeah. know, that's kind of, I was giving up or whatever. And it's not the case, though, I think. I think John has legitimately improved over these years. Right. And I definitely think that a lot of these traits are evident to you as a new fan. Yeah. So many people, I th- fear, when they're going to get into wrestling and a friend's going to tell them to get into wrestling, it's going to be like, right, this is wrestling. There's John Cena. He's fucking shit and he's the worst and he's, oh, I hate him and I want him to die. You should fucking hate him. And straight away, it's just a confusing way to get into it and whatnot. Yeah, it is. How would you describe John then for the new fans? What would you kind of say to kind of establish his role or what he is or what he kind of does? I mean, the kind of the things that people were tweeting in sum him up quite perfectly really in that he is a solid wrestler although it's not necessarily always immediately apparent you do kind of have to kind of pay close attention to realize just how good he is and not every match john has is going to be amazing no but I've, his big matches tend to yeah, pay off i've definitely seen a lot of matches with john cena where his it's kind of sucked 
basically. And I've seen a couple recently where it's been amazing. There was a really good match this year, the Royal Rumble mm. with Seth Rollins and was it Brock, Brock Lesnar? Yeah, it was there. And that was amazing. That was really good. We watched um, Kevin Owens and John Cena as well yes, recently. Yes, that was really good. Which again, uh, John lost cleanly and seems to be this kind of thing now that yeah. it's no longer this rule that John can't lose, which I think after 10 years, that's like, whoa, he can lose. Wow. And that makes immediately... And it's great because now you have Kevin Owens, who, because he beat John Cena, is immediately a top-level guy. Yeah. Just when, because of that. So, And the fact that they're using now John Cena's ability to have that impact on other wrestlers. Because he is so good at lifting other wrestlers up mm. and making them look great when they let him. Yeah, It's great that that's finally happening. And it does seem that the wrestling community as a whole is recognising that. And sort of realising that John Cena is... You know, he has a chance to be quite interesting, I think. I think so. And it's nice he's at the moment... The 15 world title reign seems to be kind of like almost like an upper limit. I don't know if they'll have him beat Ric Flair's magic number. It seems more and more likely that it will. But at this moment in time, 2015, where John is once again holding that United States Championship and he's working with the the lower guys, like, you know, the guys who aren't made necessarily the, the main eventers, the guys debuting against John and John wrestling people like Cesaro yeah. or Sami Zayn yeah. or even, you know, Stardust. He's, and they often come from like NXT, which yeah. is like the training ground. And right? now they're saying the kind of the gimmick for John now is that he's not, not saying that he's the top guy and the show revolves around him. It's that he's the measuring stick. He's the kind of, he's the, the yardstick. He's, he's the kind of guy if you want to prove yourself against, you have to go through him. Yeah. And that's a really effective role for John, definitely. Yeah, it works and really well. I, I'm happy to say that I like, I'm, eagerly anticipate what's next for John yeah I never thought I'd say that ever (laughs) in a million years so definitely the matches we watched then what were the ones you would recommend any other ones with John which you would recommend um I'd say the one with him against Kevin Owens is really good yeah if in part because I love Kevin Owens so much and the one against Rob Van Dam like I said I would say that's essential viewing for anyone starting to watch wrestling how about his match with the big show would that be one that was very entertaining I wouldn't say it's an essential watch so much but it's definitely one if you're interested to learn more about John Cena and see definitely him uh, seen more positively it's really interesting. I would also say, folks, do check out some of John's more famous feuds. He has um, some amazing matches with CM Punk, which we'll probably cover in Punk's actual episode, which we'll do at a later date. A lot of his matches with Edge as well. A lot of real kind of... if there's if there are A lot of the big matches with John are usually quite easy to come by. He kind of performs well in the big match environment. So, you know, just check him out on uh, you know any of the recent pay-per-views on the network. Just, you know, John's usually there. So I would say just, you know, catch a few recent pay-per-views, see what you think of John and see what you what you make of the man. I think that it shouldn't. he's not a barrier to enjoying wrestling like no. a lot of people will say he is. I think he very much is a quite, he's a little bit misunderstood maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so the last thing I want to maybe show as we're wrapping up here, we've had our thoughts and recommendations on John. Uh, someone may have sent this to you, I think a few times, which is John Cena, bad, bad man. Just watch, let's watch it now and see what you think about it. Wow, what do you think of that then? 
Oh my god. Don't fuck with John Cena, y'all. He be a bad, bad man. You know, it's funny. When I started watching this, I was actually wondering to myself, I was like, oh, I bet there's someone out there, some sad person who knows all the lyrics to this. Hmm. And then what did you do? You started rapping along. Of course. You know all the lyrics to I this. don't know all the lyrics. I know, I know the stanza. Oh, okay. You know. Right. With the mic in my hands, I'm a bad man. Living in the streets all my life, I'm a bad man. You know what I mean? just To be t- fair, it's catchy. It is catchy. It's really catchy. I want to learn the lyrics, kind of. Sadly, John Cena's rap career didn't really take off. No. has been quietly swept in the rug. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Although we get reminded every single time of John Cena's rap when he comes out with his entrance music, which he raps himself. Yeah, which I didn't know about until like the only the other day. And you were like, oh yeah, you know, John Cena raps his own entrance and that I don't know the words to all I know is that this bit where he goes <laughs> that's because the most important part of his entrance is she'll have to get this hello well there you go hopefully we all know now a little bit about how to John Cena a man who is obviously very very divisive but I don't think he can be summed up in the let me tell you about John Cena, and that's it. There's a lot to the man. Much like onions and ogres, John Cena has layers, and uh, there's a lot of history to the man. And I think by watching some of those matches we mentioned, not only can you maybe gain appreciation for why he's actually quite an entertaining fellow, but also maybe why some people harbor some of those grudges, and also some of the shit the man has to put up with over his years. Yeah. Hopefully no one's going to be chanting Die Cena Die anytime soon, but as long as John Cena's got crowds reacting and putting people in seats, I'm pretty sure I'll still be watching, and maybe you will too. So our next episode, after much, much discussion and thought, we're hopefully going to do, in terms of wrestlers, we're going to do current wrestler, then a classic wrestler, and then a current wrestler, and then a classic wrestler, and maybe some random themed episodes sprinkled along the way. Yeah. And in terms of episode number three, it was a bit of a toss-up, but mainly because this man has a much different rise and a lot of different things can be said about him, our next episode is going to be How to Stone Cold, as we look at the greatest star of all time, and that's the words of Vince McMahon himself, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So this time we're going to be doing Stone Cold Steve Austin, and we'd like you to tweet in using the hashtag how to Steve Austin. So yeah, if you could like tweet in your opinions of the man and what you think about him, whether he's good, bad, boring, the same kind of things you tweeted in with John Cena. I want to know fun facts. Educate me about him because I know l- almost nothing. I will say though, Joe has watched an episode or two of the Broken Skull Challenge. I have. So that's <laughs> about my extent of my knowledge of Steve Austin. But again as well, also uh, matches, segments, any stuff yep. you want to kind of tweet in, that kind yep. of stuff, all with hashtag how to Steve Austin. And feel free to let us know the matches you think we should be looking at in the next episode as well. It's going to be very hard to narrow it down for Steve. Yeah. In this case, I think we may end up watching one of the documentaries on Steve on the network instead, which might give us more of a span Brilliant. of Steve's career. Okay. But a very interesting and unlikely rise to the top for Steve Austin. And he's a man who, fuck me, talk about transcending wrestling and, and all that. I just can't wait 
to get into to Steve Ost with you. This is going to be such a fucking fun episode to do. And as always, feel free to tweet in silly pictures of Steve Austin, like we did with John Cena. They always cheer me up. Yeah. I personally like them a lot. I mean, Steve Austin's got a lot less cheery head than John does. <laughs> Although it is rounder. Who knows? Yeah. Also as well, make sure you can head over to facebook.com forward slash howtowrestling. You can leave comments there as well, describing your thoughts on Steve for the upcoming episode. Be sure you're following us on Twitter as well, at HowToWrestling. Don't forget to find us on SoundCloud as well, and we're also now on iTunes. Of course, we're trying to get to the number one top slot there. We're very competitive. And you can really help us by leaving a rating or review that makes the algorithms like us more and means we're more likely to beat that pesky Tour de France. Yeah, and of course as well, don't forget nature's algorithm, which is telling a friend. Uh, we've had a lot of people doing this. I think the main way we're going to make this podcast be the useful tool that we hope it will be is that if you wrestling fans listening, let people know who you think might be interested in getting into wrestling, maybe express an interest someone who you've maybe tried and failed before to get into wrestling yeah. and maybe send them this way and see what they think of the show. This is as much for them as it is for you, obviously. Leaving a rating review on iTunes, very, very helpful, of course. If anything, it helps the egos out quite a bit. We watched the Beast in the East special from Japan on the network this week and Chris Jericho came out to the ring, who Joe doesn't know much about, and she went, ha, huh, I don't even take him seriously, we beat his podcast <laughs> by four places. So, you know, let's help Joe continue to undermine the wrestlers who she's meant to be learning about Give by having a, us beat their podcast. Give me a ridiculous swollen ego. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be like, oh, I don't think this is Steve Austin very seriously, we did beat his podcast. We, uh, we did beat his podcast, we're beating him currently. Oh dear. He's not going to like that at all. Sorry, Stone Cold. How to Steve Austin. Not as good a podcaster as uh, as Kevin and Joe. <laughs> Are you calling him out? I am. I'm just saying. That's the man, what I know about him. The man's got a history. I mean, like, you know, he's, he's a dangerous dude. He'll take me on that broken skull challenge. He'll just appear in our gaff in a big vehicle and pour it full of cement. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening, folks, to How To Wrestling. You made this podcast possible with your tweets and comments. Thank you so much for taking part. It's been a blast talking about John Cena. Can't wait to talk about Steve Austin. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. So we'll uh, see you again. See ya. Do you want to mention about John's social media presence? Okay, so... <laughs> A lot of people have tweeted in to show me John Cena's Instagram, which is, I'm going to call it now, I'm going to call it the strangest corner of the internet. The best corner. I, I didn't know this either. It's I'm, so weird. And I love the fact that you didn't know this either. I, I, I got to show this to you. I believe this was his real account. So John Cena's Instagram. All of you right now go to Instagram.com forward slash John Cena. This is his literal, verified WWE John Cena account. He has only 1.3 million followers, which isn't that much compared to his other social accounts. But it's a lot considering what he's actually posting. Considering what he's posting. Now, I'm not going to do this entirely justice, which is why I'm saying go check it out. But what it basically is, is a series of pop culture pictures. So we've got a screenshot here of Fear and Loathing from Las Vegas. Got a screenshot here from the uh, Trailer Park Boys. Big Lebowski's there as well, isn't it? Big Lebowski, yeah. We've got a picture of some Pabst Blue Ribbon. Silver testicles were there as well. A picture of some Mary Jane. The IBM logo. No context at all. He 
yeah, he doesn't caption any of these images. He, he doesn't just, even hashtag. But he doesn't hashtag nothing, and it's just so weird. He's got another picture here of an empty fuel tank. It's kind of like I imagine what it'd be like if my dad somehow got Instagram. It's like a weird <laughs> one. You know those weird sort of corporate social media accounts where they're trying to like advertise digital marketing, and they don't quite know what they're doing. Yeah, and so they just post whatever they think is popular with the internet. I think what it is is like you know when they have those spam bots that kind of like mimic humans and tweet out yeah. kind of facsimiles this is just kind of like john cena is like a twitter bot but on instagram with pictures it's so odd and i so odd it's so mysterious and, and people I, say he's stale i do not understand it at all it's really intriguing what a weird man 